back, everybody. It's the Long Play Listening Party. I'm Howie Howard from Mr. Furious Records. Uh, Nate, what's going on? What's going on, everybody? And we've got Brandon Phillips from Mensa Death Squad. If you haven't listened to last week's episode uh, where we uh, played the first half of the album, you should go back and pick it up. But uh, we'll be listening to Side 2 today. And um, I don't have... Nate, do you have the first song off the... Off the top of your head there, I can look it up. It'd be number eight, I think. Yeah, it's, it's going to be... be uh, oh, title track. Of my head. Title track from You Will Hear Thunder. Is it the title track? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now are we just going to... Let's jump in. in right let's now? just jump in. All right. All right, let's drop in. Brandon, I didn't let you say anything. Sorry. No worries. I'm great. <laughs> I'm considering relocating. Sure, so sure. We'll let, we'll let people listen to me, the music for a little bit while you relocate. drawing a blank last week when we were talking about uh, performance, you know, kitschy, you know, catch running in front of people or, you know, that kind of performances and that. And then I mentioned uh, one that I thought was really one well done. The group is called Sylvan Esso. Hmm. Um, and they, and I will bring up the track or the example I'm talking about as well. This has got a great, I love this sort of uh, Depeche Mode swing to yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I could just, I could just see Dave like strutting around to this one. Yeah, I was very consciously going. Yeah, uh, that's a great point that you bring up, Howie, because I was going to mention that I hear uh, a lot of some of that um, Violator. Sure, it's got that shuffle. And I mean, yeah. I'm an enormous Depeche Mode fan, so that's a huge compliment. Right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I, I mean, how, how uh, did you, I mean, Obviously, you probably had a lot of influence behind this, but uh, would you say Violator or some of the tracks off that, you know, uh, made their made it play into some of these um, arrangements or tonics in these songs? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I like, I I know I tried to do. I at least tried several times to get some of the same vocal production techniques, and then I was like, "That's ah, isn't working." <laughs> yeah. I just got the voice like, but yeah, there was. Well, I, I, well, I do like the vocal production on on these. Sure, whatever you did, you know, worked great. But um, 
But it's a different thing, right? Like, and you don't want to. We set those goals and those touch points out there, but yeah, you don't necessarily want everything to just go in one single direction. You want to pull a bit from here, yeah. a bit from there, and yeah. Well, that was like. I mean, that was like a. It was kind of like a generally '80s thing that I really liked. That uh, was like. You, you would hear it on Depeche Mode records, you would hear it on NXS records, um, and you would hear it maybe, I don't know, maybe like Psychedelic Perks or some place like that. Mm-hmm. But there was a point where there was a lot of really good, kind of low, low intensity, baritone male mm-hmm. vocals that were, that were like, they were really like, they weren't husky, but they were really like sexy and you know. And no, I know what you mean. Yeah, like people don't really do that, or at least that kind of fell out of fashion. Like at least it, it has fallen out of fashion a lot in the last, you know, I don't know, ten years or something. Because now everything's kind of in sync, even if it's not. Right. But <laughs> like, to li- everything's a little bit backstreet, even if it's not. And uh, no, I, 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 man. I, I I couldn't agree with you more, man. I love that style. I, I do, and because I, I I think part of it is that it's one that I you know if I could sing, that's what I would want to sing. But um, two, it's just like I think it sounds great, man. And I think that's a great target to shoot for if that's what you were shooting for. And uh, yeah, I think there's vocals on. All these songs sound really good. Brandon, did you... So when you set out to make the first Mensa Death Squad album, or maybe you didn't even know what it was at that point, had you made electronic music before? I mean, we talked about you made this intentional choice to, to make some electronic music, but did you have any background in that at all? Any experiments, or were you just starting cold? I had done things for years like buy synthesizers and play around with different software and play around with different synths, you know, with different kinds of synths and try to make, you know, try to make this or that, try to imitate this or that. Um, and and then on the first Other Americans record, I kind of found a place to make, uh, you know, to like include that, to make their, you know, make a lot more electronic, you know, a bigger electronic. So did you bring did you bring a lot of that electronic influence into that band? I, I mean, I, I think I did it first, and now yeah. everybody's kind of like everybody's into it. Yeah, yeah, everybody kind of like, yay, let's do that. And yeah. um, so, like, and after I did it on other Americans on that first other Americans record, and I had a chance to really play around and figure out how to how it best fit into songs as I understand them, uh, then it was like, okay, I can do this. I can absolutely make something all my own. Like, yeah. no question. And I had no idea what that was going to sound like. And at first, you know, the first MBS record is really weird because <laughs> it just kind of goes in a bunch of different ways. And it's got a lot of weird textures that I, you know, it's like I would not make those same choices now. But, uh, you know, but it was like, oh, well, it, you know, it was a first thing. Yeah, and you wouldn't be here without it, right? So it's yeah, part yeah. of the story. Yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm delighted to have done it. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, just, I'm listening to, listening to uh, some of the, the, the drums in this song, man, and I'm... Yeah, dude, I... Okay, so this is another, like, total, like, hashtag goals type song. Like... Okay. Every time I make a record, I try to have at least one song that blows a huge kiss to the Jesus and Mary Chain, and this is my... Right? Okay. okay. Which is why the drum sounds are, like excessively 80s because I was like yeah the snare from head on is probably God's favorite snare drum that's ever been recorded <laughs> like I'm sure that that song is God's favorite song <laughs> like positive and I love these conversations man I'm I'm yeah this is great <laughs> but, like, thank, so thank you like, thank you for fucking coming on the show and everything <laughs> I love this <laughs> thank you for having me <laughs> But yeah, so this one I like I, I did this one and like, uh, and it's it's funny because I was like, this is my Jesus and Mary Chain, you know, love letter kind of song, and uh, and I was excited to send it to Barb because Barb, you know, you know Barb's band opened for the Jesus and Mary Chain, you know, in 1990 whatever, you know, and like, you know, uh, and I sent it to Barb and Barb was like. It sounds like a John Hughes movie. <laughs> I was like, Fuck. <laughs> hey man, I don't know. That's not a I bad mean, thing to me, but I. Nah. They're right. It, does. <laughs> it sounds like a John Hughes movie. Like if John Hughes wrote a Jesus and Mary Chain song, it would be that. Yeah. So like, what's I gotta ask? What's the Jesus and Mary Chain song on Vice? Oh, I wasn't doing it then. Oh, okay. This is just, if it's just me, I'm going to make it, you know, I, I can get, I, I, I don't have to, like, sneak one pack. Actually, you know what, though? Now that you mention it, the Jesus and Mary Chain song on Vice is uh, Oklahoma. Oh, holy shit. I was thinking that in my head, and I was like, ah, the, that can't be it. There's a... Uh, yeah, if you go back to it... Awesome. There's a good, awesome. a guitar part that uh, that probably quotes April Skies. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna give that a close listen. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. This one's weird. This song, I I was like trying really hard to do Sisters of Mercy. I was like, I'm gonna start out with like a Sisters of Mercy beat and see what happens. You know, I was like, you know. Fucking Sisters of Mercy are awesome. And uh, and somehow I ended up at, like, I started at Sisters of Mercy and ended at Southern Death Cult. I'm like, okay, well, I just took a little trip through Goth. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, though. whatever it needs to be. Nah. This is this is this is getting right down to that ugly stuff you were talking about earlier a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, this one was like a this one was before before I linked up with Barb and it was probably the closest I've gotten to anything truly ugly until that. Yeah, which then, bravo, right? Because that's that's one of the goals of the writing, and and to yeah to keep digging down there. So 
that's a hard place to get to, and and yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's it's like that's like kind of for me. That's the place I always want to go. I don't know. Yeah, I think somehow that's just like my orientation to music is that like somebody else is gonna write the song about a car, right. or write the you know somebody else is gonna is gonna have the hook about. Uh, you know how we party all night or whatever and i'll right you know and like they don't need me on that like i i, I need to be someplace else like my my calling is to do you know is to do something that's just a little bit more it's dark man yeah a little darker yeah 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 i love that though and that's i've said it on here before but i really connect with that thing about and i forget the source of the quote but the thing about you know, one of the ways of looking at artists is to to make the things that only I can make, or only you, Brandon, can make, or only you, Nate, can make, right? And I really, that's one of the things that I really connect with, and one of the ways I both think about my own stuff, and one of the ways to really connect with other people's stuff is when I see somebody or hear somebody getting down to something that only they can do. Mm. I love that. Yeah. That's like... You know, the, I guess it's kind of popular in some circles right now to be really upset about the, uh, running up that hill by Kate Bush being, you know, a big like a whole new generation of people just discovered it because because of Stranger Things, right? Right, right. Um, but it's like to me, that's what like the fact that that song endures is it endures specifically because only only Kate Bush could have done that. Like that is just, that's a Kate Bush song and nobody else, nobody else had a chance to rope that one. Like that was hers always, you know? And those are always, those are always the artists that, you know, that, that I care about a lot. Those are the ones that I fall in love with. That's, well, you know. and, and yeah, and I think I posted a quote, you know, something to the effect that, you know, I'm not trying to be better than anybody that's better than I, than I used to be, or something, something to that effect, which, which is, I think, I mean, it gets to the point of, of being, uh, trying to be the best version of whoever you want to be, and sometimes that's really hard to do, is trying to filter out what maybe isn't so much you, um, or allowing yourself to to express what yep. you want to express instead of I don't know some like uh, I don't know um, the word I'm trying to look for now but some censored version of it you know what I mean yeah yeah actually I think I think one thing that's the concept of a personal best or a personal record is is really underrated as an artistic goal right like i i think way more if you're a young artist especially or if you're an old artist any type of artist you set a personal best with your next project you know or your next writing session or whatever stack those personal bests up and you'll get somewhere oh yeah no doubt and that's i don't know like the, there's something about like that the like early part of being an artist like before you even really know that you're an artist you just you're just like i make beats play guitar 
whatever. Right. Okay. Before you really, before the artist part really gets hooked into you, um, when you're just sort of like doing and appreciating that people around you are appreciating it. And like, that's a really, like, I feel like that's a really delicate time. And that's the time in which people get twisted about what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. like, like, do you trust the social media scrolls of the Tell you what's relevant and what's or do you trust you? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I wish somebody would have pulled 18 year old me aside and been like, don't ever bet on anything but you. Like, don't yeah. Yeah. never bet on, on what anyone else says is cool. Bet on you and you yeah. exclusively and like appreciate other people's shit, but. Do not look to it for direction because there is none. You will find nothing. And if I, if somebody had like broken me off that when I was 18, I it might have, you know, I might have wound up in a healthier place when I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you never know exactly what might have happened if you got the advice you wish you had gotten. But right. Uh, at least you can. At least you. Can pass that on now to younger people, or, or you know, make that kind of be something that you pass along to, to people that are coming up behind you. Yeah, yeah. If anybody ever asks, I mean, that's the answer. It's just like do the deepest version of you that there is. Don't you know withhold nothing and. Just do that. Don't be, you know, if something else comes along, if you hear something on the radio that, like, makes you feel shook, like, oh, my God, what's that? Like, spend some time with it. Don't react. Like, don't live your life reacting to other people's art. Like. Uh, I find myself uh, falling into that trap a lot. Like, yeah. Me too. Like all the time. Putting, put, putting artists on pedestals and being like, I'm never going to be that. And like, I don't know if that's the point. I mean, yeah. admire them for what they are, but don't, don't make your... Don't... How am I trying to put this? Don't... Don't make your version of of how you feel like you're successful depending on like a comparison to something that you're not I mean that yeah. makes, I don't know if that makes sense or not but I mean are you someone that goes back and listens or enjoys to listen uh, listening to like stuff that you recorded a while ago nope <laughs> like <laughs> Once a record's out, I don't ever need to hear it again. Okay. Like, okay. I just, you know, I just don't, I don't reconnect with it like that. Like, yeah. You know, and you know, I, I only make records so that I have something to perform. You know, like I don't have some like I'm not Trent Reznor. I'm not Brian Eno. I'm not 
you know, Peter Gabriel. I'm not one of these like pull up in the studio for three years and just crank out masterpiece after masterpiece and just be a creature of the studio. And it's like, right. I like the studio. I really do. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't. But like the whole reason to write a song is so that I can get up in front of people and sing. Okay. You know? And that like, you know, so that I have something to sing that I believe in. So I don't have to just go to fucking karaoke and do Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and for the for the bulk of the records you've made, you've sung those songs a bunch of times, too. So um, it, it's kind of like you don't it's not like they're not fresh in your mind for the most part. Right. Right. <laughs> or, or like yeah. you didn't spend years with with the material after it was recorded. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I started to think that maybe it was just like a weird thing about me that I just don't feel nostalgic about old songs. Like there was a minute where like somebody was talking about doing, this was like years ago uh, before Aaron passed that somebody was talking about a gadget reunion and I was like, eh, I don't care. Like we can yeah. do that, it would be fun to play. It would be really fun to play, but um, the part I'm not looking forward to is having to go back and listen to that record and relearn those yeah, songs. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's like... I think, what do you guys think? I think musicians are kind of 50-50, roughly, right? On, like, whether you listen to your own stuff. But it does, I, I see I was, it's pretty split. Like, you don't find a lot of musicians that are, like, neutral <laughs> on that topic. I, I guess my I listened to it I think so much before it comes out and I enjoy it and then it comes out and I there's like a period of like I just feel sort of deflated about it I'm like yeah and then yeah. I don't know it's so weird sometimes like I and then sometimes I, I enjoy going back and listening to some songs but like yeah, like it's, it's released, and I feel like, oh, I'm excited, and I build up, and then it's released, and then it's kind of like, yeah, it's out. <laughs> like, like, I'm trying to be excited. I'm trying to be excited about it because I want other people to be excited about it, and I, and I am excited about it because it's out, but like, eh, I don't know. I mean, it's the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know. It's exhausting trying to like breathe life into something. Like, and you just get tired after that. And you're just like, oh, yeah. God. Like, you yeah. know, and if you don't have a world tour to embark on, True. and you know, where there's like an audience that's gonna give you, that's gonna help you reinvigorate that, that material absolutely every night. Like if you're, if you're funny, if you're Tom Petty, you're still pretty stoked on everything you wrote for She's the One because you're still playing it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and there's a, a crowd there that's like giving it new life night after night. And that's giving you the energy back, yeah. 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 And if you're kind of like more like a working stiff like me, um, then, you know, you just have to be sure that you're prepared to get up there and sing, you know, sing it like it was the most important time you ever sung it, night after night. And when you're really lucky, you'll get some of that energy back, and, or maybe not. 
I mean, that's not to say I don't love my own songs. I, I, I mean, obviously, I, I you know. Well, yeah, but, but it's like, you know, the, the relationship, like, I always get bummed out when people talk about their songs, like, oh, my songs are like my children. And I, I always, I hear that, I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's like, you unself-aware twat, you feel like your, you know, your songs are flawless. Right, Is that right, it? Right, Is that what you're right. telling me? You, right. you can't perceive that there's anything you would have done better if you had two more hours to work on that. You That's know, exactly like, the point. You know, and I don't... Yeah. Yeah, so I, I kind of don't buy that. Um, and it's like, my songs are not like my children, or if they are, I pack their asses off to college and, you know, I'm just like, call. You know, <laughs> come back and take care of me when I'm old. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. That's a good image, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you'll be worth some royalties or something later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you yeah. better call with a good story. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call from jail. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, right. And, I, and, and like, I've said this before, maybe it was last week, I don't know. I've enjoyed this conversation, but I, I, I have to say, I'm a little disappointed we haven't listened and or focused more on the music because I, Dude, I really fucking dig these songs, yeah. man. And I and I dig this record a lot. Thank you. And I, and yeah, I feel you, Nate. And also, the conversation we've had makes me appreciate it more, and just understanding more of the show, kind of how it fits into your life and into your artistic journey, and. So, I don't know, a little from column A, a little from column B, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we've still got time. I mean, is there any... Is there a story yeah, so, behind any particular song or... Yeah, what about this, man? This is obviously <laughs> a little bit of a different um, vibe. Right. Right. Okay, so this was actually... Um, so I wrote the other version of this song first and demoed it sent it to Barb and I sent it to Barb and literally within five minutes I get a text back it's like dude did you write this to yourself and I was like oh yeah a little bit <laughs> um, did you play the piano on this? no this is actually my uncle who's a that like who's been a professional musician okay. uh, you know a, a side man a film scorer uh, sure. you know a composer uh, his entire life he's never had a straight job um, he used to play with the Pointer man. Sisters he played yeah he played with the Pointer Sisters and you know uh, Neil Sedaka and a whole bunch of people played on a Tom Waits record uh, so I anyway so oh, yeah this is great great piano you know, Barb really got into me with the like digging for the personal shit in this song because um, it's a big you know it's like this big kind of melodramatic story about masculinity and you know toxicity of that and um, and 
One of Barb's favorite things to do is to be like, you should do an acoustic version of this. You should do an acoustic version. If it's a really personal song, they want you to, like, Barb wants you to strip it down and make it as emotional. You know, they want that raw emotional thing. That's like the, the coolest part of Barb as a producer, right? Is they, they want the raw shit. They don't want you to dress it up with, with fancy kick drums. Um, and I was like, well, so they basically ordered me to create an acoustic version. And I was like, well, the acoustic guitar is not coming out of the fucking case. That I can tell you right now. But let me think about this. And so I just like spit out a stem, sent it to my uncle. I was like, would you please put like Bob Fosse style rehearsal piano under this? Yeah. And he did a version and I was like, okay, can you change this one thing? And he, there was like one change and it took less than an afternoon. And I was like, there you go. And so this was this such became, an interesting and different. Uh, it's, it makes it creepier. Like a song that's already unsettling becomes even more unsettling when you hear it over Broadway rehearsal piano yeah because do you think it's because i mean this version is up close you're 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 right like you're breathing these words right into our faces kind of Mm -hmm. well and that that broadway rehearsal piano it has a tone to it that and that tone suggests um you know it suggests Entertainment. It suggests that kind of like cabaret theatricality, totally. showbiz yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and showbiz shit is almost never creepy like this. Like showbiz shit is not necessarily the most revealing. You know, a lot of it is razzle dazzle, right? Which, like, there's a Fosse term, you know, and uh, and you know, but on the flip side of that. Bob Fosse, who this is like the Fosse version of the song, right? And it turns out that Bob Fosse is like a kind of a big deal to me. But um, uh, like Bob Fosse, like his entire ethos was just about like get on stage and peel your skin off, you know, and be the the most raw nerve that you can possibly be for these people because that's what they're fucking paying for, you know. Even though he was also Mr. Razzle Dazzle and you know cabaret in Chicago and you know lights and hazers and all that kind of shit, um, and so I thought that was like all a lot of like I thought, I thought that kind of packed a lot of fascinating contradictory shit into one yeah yeah song and it was like well that makes it interesting to me at least you know well that's what I mean <laughs> that's kind of what the, the 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 point is and the most important I mean selfishly saying you know speaking most important thing is it's interesting to you but i i i loved how it it ended the record uh that way um which you you said you know it's a spooky way and you know you're listening to a um you know an electronic uh, aggressive you know record and then the final song is just just uh like how he said just really in in your face intimate uh sort of dark um raw track you know yeah, yeah. When, and when you listening to both of you now it's uh, it's made me just realize i wasn't even conscious of this but like 
I've been hearing the the synesthesia for the whole album has been very stage lights and like the album cover is is lots of color kind of rainbow and so it's been very um theatrical maybe or or very colorful for sure and then um that that last track that uh fozzy version of men like you totally feel stage is dark single spotlight is exactly the like the visual that that evokes and honestly i've been yeah. listening to the this record with those colors and those lights in mind and was never conscious of them until you guys were just talking right now yeah it feels like it switches to black and white for me yeah, exactly it feels like it goes to black and white at that yeah at that point yeah. in the record which i like that i i tend to I tend to be, I didn't realize that I was as cinematic in my thinking as I, as I am. Like, I really tend to like visualize things and, you know, and make things that are, you know, make, I, I make a lot of music that actually sounds like it should be in a movie or sounds like it should be in a video game or something like that. Like, right. and it doesn't sound like it should be anywhere else sometimes. And so it was like that song in particular was like, okay, well, let's just consciously make it like, you know, the dark wave version of a chorus line. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. <laughs> That's well, a- it's just interesting because, of, you know, I think, you know, as a listener, you're maybe you're not um, fully aware of, of maybe what the lyrics are saying. You're just like into the music because of, of everything that's going on. But then you're forced to just you know kind of be immersed in this in 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 that story at the end and there's nothing for you to to really you know not nothing that takes your distracts you i mean maybe the piano but that's just kind of to me it's the the intimacy of the lyrics and how it drives you in and just the contrast to the rest yeah. of the songs on the record is jarring as a listener and kind of yeah. w- wakes you up. It kind of slaps you in the face and makes you, if you're not really, if you're just kind of like hopping along to it, it's like, oh, it's this whole other thing. But that's, I mean, it. a dark wave chorus line, that's, that's perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you will hear thunder uh, by Mensa Death Squad, Brandon Phillips. Uh, we'd love to have you. This is the show ending. You don't have to leave. Yeah. But we are gonna we are gonna let the listeners go. Um, this has been the Long Play Listening Party. It's been great to have you on, man. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you both very very much for having me. I really appreciate it a lot. Yeah, it's been a great time. Definitely. It's been the Long Play Listening Party. Later, everybody. Yeah.